Let's open our Bibles this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, last week we talked about that uh, we feel, uh, the deacon body and myself, uh, felt God leading us that it's time to have more deacons. We talked a little bit about Acts in chapter 6 about the first deacons and some of the qualifications. And we're going to continue that and talk a little bit more specifically about some things. Now, when I say these things, if you want to get mad or argue, then you get mad with God or argue with Scripture, okay? That's number one. I'm not going to argue with you about it. If you can prove me wrong from Scripture, I'll change it. If not, you're out of luck. Secondly, I don't say this to dismirch anybody. And so don't walk out of here misquoting me because that makes me upset. I don't know why anybody would quote me in the first place, but if you're going to do it, at least be fair about it, okay? So, having said that, uh, let's read 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to begin uh, with verse 8. Now, he's given the qualifications for a pastor in these first seven verses. And then he says, this is Paul, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, this morning, for a great crowd, uh, for how you've blessed us during the Sunday school hour and for your faithful teachers there. Lord, for the music you've blessed our church with. Uh, Our lives are richer when we can sing your praises and lift up our voices together because you alone are worthy. Your word says you inhabit the praise of your people. And we thank you for that. Your word also says that where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, there he will be in our midst. And so, Lord, you are here. To that end, by the power of your Holy Spirit, calm our hearts and our minds. Father, let us understand and let us act upon what we understand and be obedient to you today. And if we leave this place, we'll praise your holy name because it's been good to be in your house today. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, uh, probably next week we'll have a slip of paper. Those who are church members will nominate ten, up to ten names that you feel God has laid on your heart. So you should be praying. You're going to have a couple of weeks over this process to pray about it. And then <clears throat> the deacons will take those ten names and the top vote getters, if there's ten top vote getters, and we'll, they will interview all ten and see, first of all, do they feel called to be a deacon? Because that's the first prerequisite. Secondly, do they feel qualified to be a deacon according to Scripture? And then they'll bring that recommendation back to the church, and the church will vote on them, and we will lay hands on them. We'll ordain them. Okay? That's what that means. And so, to that end, we need to understand that um, through the years, I've served with some of the best men in the world. They're called deacons. Okay? And I don't tease deacons very often uh, 
publicly because I, don't, I would never embarrass the deacons because they've been so good to me through the years. But as we approach this, uh, I think that we approach it with awe and with appreciation and just a little bit of trepidation. And that's the way we all should approach it. And here's the reason why. Do you realize a deacon who serves well, a deacon who serves well glorifies his Savior and honors his church? A deacon who serves well glorifies his Savior and honors his church. And it does matter, and it should matter to you as members of this congregation, who serves because that's the spiritual leadership of your church. And so you should approach it that way. So what do I mean? What are some of the qualifications for a deacon? From an Acts 6, 1 through 7 passage, and I'll read in just a second, here's the first qualification to me. Are you ready? A deacon must be able to get along with the pastor. (laughs) They knew I was going to say that, didn't they? You say, well, I can explain. How would you say that? Well, I'm going to read this Acts 6 passage, beginning with verse 1 again, so I can explain that. In those days, when the the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. These are both in the New Testament Jerusalem church. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this ministry. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And it lists the seven they choose. And then it says in verse 7 that they laid hands on them. In other words, they ordained them. And verse 7 says, The word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So when I say they need to be getting along with the pastor, I want you to understand something. That's not just me. Okay? It means that whoever's after me, because there's coming a day when God says, you're done, and I'll be done whether I want to be or not. That'll be it. So whoever's the pastor here, they need to be able to get along. If they had to get along with, with Brother Galen, he, he, he's the youth pastor. They need to be able to get along with him. In other words, what I'm saying is they don't need to be guys that like to fuss and fight. Okay. And, and we need to understand that. And how, how, do I, how do I justify saying that from Scripture? Think about it. Here's the 12 apostles. They are studying the Word. They are praying. They are preaching. Miracles are being done. Thousands are being saved. Remember what I said? In just a few months, they've gone from 120 disciples to over 20,000 in the church at Jerusalem. This dispute arises between those of, that were the Greek Jewish people and those that, that were na- natives, native Palestinians, about, about this ministry not being done to the widows equally. And so one part of the church feels neglected. One ch- part of the church feels shut out. One f- part of the church feels like that, that, that really they're second class. And what the big deal was, you realize this could have split the church of Jerusalem. If they'd been a Baptist church, it probably would have. Okay. Let's just let's just call it like it is. And it could have split, and if it would have split, two things would have happened. Christianity would have been known as just another sect of Judaism. The church would have stopped growing and would have had a bad reputation, and those that were left out <coughs> would have been hurt. 
And so this is a real problem. You, you understand this. And these guys, the apostles, the pastors of that Jerusalem church needed help. How did they get help? They prayed about it. They took seven guys that were full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, not earthly wisdom. We talked about that last week. But spiritual wisdom found in uh, James. And he says, the church multiplied because they gave help. That's what it says. You see, pastors need help. We do as much as we can, but there's ministry needs. If you haven't realized that our church has, has been growing, our church has been under attack, there's ministry needs. Somebody say amen. Our deacons are tremendous help to me. I can depend on them, the things that I can't cover. Because there's people that fall through the cracks. And they're good about working to see that that doesn't happen. You need to thank your deacons, church, for the things they do behind the scenes, the things that they do to help the church and help the people and help the pastor because basically they choose to serve. They don't choose to run the church. They don't try to tell us how we're going to do things. They choose to serve. And that is a biblical qualification. And one of the things is you serve together with pastors. Now, if you haven't realized it, pastors are prima donnas. Pastors don't like anybody stepping on their turf. Amen? I try not to be that way. Every once in a while, Elizabeth has to remind me, Gary, this isn't your church. Because it's not. It's Jesus' church. Okay? But you see, we need help, and you can't be help if you're the problem. Does that make sense? A deacon can't be a servant helper if he's the problem. Just like a pastor can't be the helper if he's a problem. We need to understand that's one of the qualifications. Do you get along? You see, are you willing to serve in any way you're needed? Do you realize that when we talk about Deacons in the New Testament, they didn't have a set job. Do you understand that? They served. Whatever the pastor asked them to do, that's what they did. Whatever the pastor asked them to help with, that's what they did. And praise God, that's what they do here at Gasville Baptist. That's why it's so important that whoever comes in is gifted in the same way. Not gifted with the same gifts, but gifted with a heart of service. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of wisdom. They like to get along. You see, the church as a whole cannot serve the way they're supposed to if the deacons and the pastors are squabbling all the time. That's the truth. I don't know why they act like I'm not telling them the truth this morning. But when you start reading this, you need to understand we have to serve together. Now, why do I say that? One of my churches, uh, I always try to do what the church wants to do. Even when I think, that ain't right. And the guy, as far as biblically, looked fairly qualified. But I thought, that's not going to work. That's going to be a mistake. Because I knew some things that maybe they had ignored because he had grown up with them in that church. What I knew was he was known to be a fighter, squabbler. He liked to pick it up and chew it on like a bone. He had never let it go. But they ordained him anyway. Now, fortunately, I'd been there long enough. That uh, <clears throat> when he started that mess, I'd say, that's enough. You're going to quit that. 
And I'd been there long enough, and our relationship was good enough that he would finally drop it, but it always called ripples in the church. As soon as y'all called me to be your pastor and I left, they had a big set to and a big fight. And guess who led the charge? That deacon against the new pastor. And it wasn't over anything doctrinal. It wasn't over anything immoral. It was simply he didn't like the way things were being done. Well, guess what? None of us ever like always the things that are being done and the way they're done. Say amen. But we're called to get along and serve. And we don't want that to happen, do we? So pray about who you're supposed to. And remember, if you know that they're a fighter and contentious, that might be something you need to pause before you write a name down on a list. The second thing that I notice is this. It talks about the deacon's family. Look look at verse 12 with me. Okay. It talks about the deacons. And uh, it talks about them being, you know, let's just go through this. Let's start back at verse 8. Deacons must be reverent. That means that, you know, they don't have to be the big it. Reverent means they respect God. That should just be automatic. They're not double-tongued. They don't tell one group one thing and another group another thing. Not giving them much wine. Well, that should be pretty self-explanatory. They're not drinkers. Not greedy for money because last time I checked, we don't pay our deacons a dime. Every year they get a 10% raise. Right? Some of them didn't catch that. They will later, okay? But notice this. Verse 9 says, they hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Holding the mystery of the faith means that not only are they saved, they can tell others that they know they're saved and how to be saved. And they hold the doctrines of the faith close to their hearts. Deacons should be spiritual enough to study their Bibles. They may not know everything, but they are involved in the Word and studying and learning. Then it says, let them first be tested and let them serve as deacons. In other words, they're not new converts. Being found blameless. In other words, we've watched them and they've, they've got a good reputation inside and outside is what Acts 6 says. And then he starts on their families. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. So let's just get started. He said, he said, let the deacons be the husband of one wife. This is always controversy. This is always in our day something people don't want to hear or talk about it. This is where they blame me for stuff and they get mad. But it says the husband of one wife. So what can that mean in the Greek language? Uh, it means one wife. That's right. But I've had people try to explain it this way. They're talking about polygamy. No, they're not. The early church never accepted polygamy into their ranks. You could not be a polygamist and be a member. So he's not talking about having several wives. Okay? And then they said, well, it means one wife at a time. Isn't that the same thing? Literally in the Greek, you translate he could have one living wife. Does that make sense? That's what the Greek says. One living wife. Now, in other scriptures, it says uh, the husband one wife, and we will make that a big deal and say it means he can't be divorced and da-da-da-da. What it really means is you have a heart that is so pure that you're faithful to your wife, period. That's what it means. You hear me? You're faithful to your wife, pure of heart. 
Now, where the divorce thing comes in, I want you to hear me, is later on it says, and manages his own household. Same thing it says for pastors. Because if you can't do that, you can't help with the church of God, manage it. Why did he get so quiet in here? I heard uh, Brother Kreese tell me one time that what it really means is a one-woman kind of man. There's one woman for me, and that's it. Okay? Now, I'm not saying God doesn't love you if you've been divorced. Did you hear me that? He does love you. I'm not saying you can't serve if you've been divorced, because you can. Does everybody hear me? Why aren't you doing like this? We don't want to know the, you know. I didn't say any of that. What I'm saying is, for this office in the church, and for the office of pastor, there are qualifications. Do I know divorced men who serve as well as deacons? I sure do. I know a bunch of them. They've remarried and been faithful to their wives for 40 years. Amen? Okay. Well, why don't you ordain them? Because I'm not going to go against what I know the Scripture says. For God in his economy, why ever he said it, he said, one woman, one living wife. That's what the Greek says. Does that mean you're a second-class citizen? No, it does not. It just means... For this office and the office of pastor, that's the qualifications. If you get mad about that, argue with it, argue with God with it, and see what he tells you. I've had people leave the church for me preaching this before. I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, In my own family, uh, I have a sister that's been divorced three times. I have another sister that's been divorced twice. I love them dearly. I don't pound them over the head and say, oh, you're such a sinner, because I'm a sinner. Do you understand that? We need to get off the kick as a church that this is the unforgivable sin. It's not. Did you hear me? But we also need to get off the kick of swallowing everything society tells us. God listed the qualifications. Not me, not the other deacons, not the church. God listed them in Scripture. If you can prove me wrong from Scripture, I'll back up. But until you can prove me wrong from Scripture, I'm not going to give different qualifications. Boy, it got quiet in here. Some of y'all are mad and not admitting it. You say, service is not dependent upon ordination. But ordination is dependent upon Scripture. Did you hear me? Service is not dependent upon ordination. Like I said, I I have so many friends that have been divorced. And they still serve so faithfully in the church. And I learned so much from them about faithfulness. Because they're faithful. And that is something that happened in the past that they've dealt with and God's dealt with. And that's where it needs to stay is in the past. So, we're over that part, right? Go. Let's go on before somebody gets mad. So it talks about a deacon's wife. Now, Brother Chris used to laugh right here. Did you notice it doesn't give any qualifications for a pastor's wife? He thought that was the funniest thing ever. If you think about it, you'll get a kick too. So it talks about a, a, a deacon's wife. It says, first of all, a deacon's wife uh, must be reverent. Again, you're not the big yet. You realize you're serving a holy God. That means you serve in awe. You serve with humility. Okay? Not slanders. Now, <clears throat> slanders or malicious talkers. Uh, now, this is a word that, that really puzzled me because... In the Greek, it's a feminine ending to this word for demon. 
Did, did you hear that? Some of y'all didn't hear that. It's a feminine word for demon. In other words, not to be a she-devil. That's what the word means literally, okay? You see, it means don't have a loose tongue. Don't uh, say things like, well, I know that they are blah, 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 blah. And they don't know that. They've just heard that and they've passed that along. It's gossip. It hurts people. And you see, a deacon's wife serves faithfully and with reverence without being this kind of person because a deacon's wife will be a helpmeet in the ministry. And when the deacon is smart, did you hear me? When the deacon is smart, he'll ask his wife, what do you think about this? Some of them didn't catch that, Brother Honey. But in order for him to be able to trust his wife with those private things that never be to be out in the community or never be in the church, she's got to be able to keep it to herself. And so you go to write a name down, and you think, ooh, but that person's wife, I know they share gossip with me all the time. First of all, confess that you listen to gossip. <laughs> Secondly, pray about gossip, and don't write that name down. Do you, you understand how this works in a church? Temperate means no alcohol, self-control in the different areas of life. You know, uh, I'm going to say this, and... It's going to make some people mad. I know lots of wonderful way, people, females, that don't have a bit of a problem with alcohol. But if you were really to look at their medicine cabinets, they're hooked on prescription drugs. I had a certain church, which I won't mention, but uh, the organist was so nervous when she played. The pianist was so nervous when he played. They both took Valium before they played. And then out of, out of all the different ones doing... Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Ronnie. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. And these, these, were, these were deacons' wives, and, and they could not function without taking that. Okay? Now, there's something a little bit, you know, you had to take some anxiety medicine, fine. But when, you, when you're so anxious, you have to take a Valium? Uh, mm, I don't know. You know. I don't know. I better leave that one alone. Yeah, yeah go on, right? Basically, they're saying be faithful in all things. Now, that's a tall order for any Christian woman. But you know something? We have deacons' wives that can meet that standard right here. They're faithful in areas of life. Okay? Then he talks about the children. He says managing. The word there means to rule over. Children and households well. See, that's a hard thing. But I want to tell you something. Don't just point your deacon and say, oh, they don't manage their household well. That should be for all Christians. But it's especially for those who are leaders in the household of God. Okay, I could say a lot about that too, but my wife's looking at me like, go on. So I better resist that rabbit. You know, sometimes rabbits pop up and, or deer pop up and it's just a white flag in front of me and I got to chase it or say it. But I'm trying to do better. So those are some of the qualifications we've just barely hit on. But you understand this is a high and holy calling. And we need to treat these men with respect. And they, they, they need our respect. They've earned it. I cannot tell you how good our deacon body is. I don't brag on them enough. Elizabeth and I have this conversation a lot when we pray and when we talk about that. Uh, when and if God lets us retire, 
we have a lot to live up to from the example set by our deacons here. And our other senior adults that are so faithful. Some of you young folks, you watch what they do. Take the good, ignore the bad, and be just as faithful. Okay? The church needs you. The last thing, because some of our guests are thinking, oh, sorry, but not really, is the deacons themselves. Look at, look at, look at verse 13. We've gone over some of their qualifications. I hope you understood those. But verse 13 is important to me. For those who have served well as deacons obtain, obtain for themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So these deacons are supposed to serve well. They obtain. And obtain means to grab a hold of. Obtain means to not let go. Attain means it's part of us. So they attain a good standing with men and with God. What a blessing. I look forward to heaven and getting to see some of the folks I know are going to be there. And some of my first deacons, I only had two. One of them was 80 and one of them was 85. And they were so faithful. And they were so kind to a young, ignorant preacher. I still ignorant. The young just left. Yeah, you can say amen to that, okay? But, but I can't wait to see some of those guys that have gone on to be with the Lord. Because I know that they have obtained a good standing. And I know when I see them, there's going to be special blessings they have. And those who are called to serve, you may not get it here, but listen to me. Jesus is going to remember. And then they said, obtains great boldness. Great boldness <clears throat> means that, again, you hold the mystery of the faith well. You know you're saved. You can tell others how to be saved. You know that the Bible is true and you'll hold to it. Don't write down a name that you don't think they believe the Bible with all their hearts and souls. So they obtain a blessing. So like I said, in the next week or so, you're going to get that piece of paper and you pray over it and you start writing down names. Say, I don't know enough names. You write down the names God lays on your heart. And we're going to go forward. And we do this because we do need help. Not only is our deacon body getting. How do I want to say that? More blessed with uh, gray hair or no hair. I don't know. Even the pastor is. And so young infusion of godly led men is needed for our church for the future. I think Randy Queen said it best when we were talking about our 150-year anniversary. He said what he noticed, and correct me if I'm saying this wrong, was that when you go through and you looked at that timetable, each generation you'd come up to a point and then you'd see new leaders come on. Right? And that meant they were ready to hand off the church to the next generation. Next generation, we need you. Next generation is coming today when you're going to be handed it and then you're responsible for how the church does or does not. I also don't want to see like I see in other churches where there are no young people, there are no children. You let me tell you what's going to happen when that generation passes away. That church is going to die unless God works a miracle and changes things. So what do you do with a sermon like this?
Well, some, as we look at these qualifications, you laughed a lot, but my, my answer to you is going to be the same thing I told people when they'd say, well, that's a preacher's kid. And I said, no, if it's right for them to do it or not right for them to do it, it's based on whether they're a Christian, not whether they're a preacher's kid or a deacon's kid. You know why preacher's kids are so ornery, right? They pray with all the deacons. <laughs> that's my one joke, fellas. Sorry. And why are the deacon's kids so honoring? Because they have to deal with the church members. Okay? I mean that in love. But as you look at these qualifications, do you see those things in your life? Do you see yourself growing in Christ? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Maybe you need to come and accept him as your Savior this morning. Maybe you need to come and rededication. So I've been out here doing my own thing. And, you know, being a Christian, being more like Jesus, hadn't even crossed my mind. And it should every single day. And you need to come in rededication. Maybe you need a church home. You need a place that's going to teach you and love on you so that when it's your turn to be counted on for God in the kingdom, in the church that he places you in, you can hand it off or be handed it to. And you need to join this church by baptism or letter or statement. There are other decisions. You have sorrows. You have problems that really need help. The best help you're going to find is Jesus. Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. I will look into the hills from whence cometh my help. Where does my help come from? From God who made heaven and earth. And if you need to come and join this place or share those burdens, I want you to do that. We're going to stand up right now. I'm going to pray. Brother Ronnie's going to lead us a hymn of invitation. You come as you need to come. Father God, it's your time. Give us courage to make the decisions we need to make for you. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen.